Queens. <laughs> yeah. Brother Duncan, you better not be raising your hand for the princess part thing. Ouch, ouch. You know, it's, and it, it, you know what it feels to me just about as silly as it sounds to you to ask that question. If I were to even ask the question, is there a president or a senator or a mayor, you'd have to be wondering because we don't have any kind of rulers in our church. So it might seem rather strange for me to say this, but we're going to learn from Proverbs about kings over the next few weeks. That's right. Um, and you might wonder, why should we take time to look at verses dealing with kings from the book of Proverbs? And I would agree, at first, I felt like a topic like that would be a waste of time for consideration because, well, no one raised their hand. There are no kings, there are no princes, there are no mayors, there are no, uh, actually, we don't have any, even, even police officers, do we, or anything to that effect, so we don't have any authorities, absolutely zero when it comes to authorities as far as our church is concerned. But if you look at the references, or as I looked at some of the references that led to study on this topic, there are some wonderful lessons for us to consider as we look at, yes, verses that deal with kings. You don't have to be a king or a prince to learn from Proverbs uh, what God says uh, as he mentions kings and princes. You say, how can that be? Well, that's a good question, and we're going to seek to answer that. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, please open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to the truth of your word. Help us uh, to learn the truths we ought to as we look at this new and begin a new topic of study on Wednesday evenings in the book of Proverbs. I pray that you'd use the time, help me to say what ought be said and give your wisdom. I pray that your spirit would be able to work in our hearts and, um, and challenge us from maybe even many different directions and ways uh, from our study. And we'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us. We pray this in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, the Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You know, our, th our time in Proverbs has given us helpful wisdom in so many areas of life thus far. And many of the, those studies I really expected to address, the tongue, anger, communicating. But our study has led to some very interesting topics as far as I've been concerned as well. Uh, because there are some things, a few things at least, that you know I never really intended to speak from. And yet, as I have been digging in the book of Proverbs, there are subjects that are worth taking time to look at. And the subject for this evening is, is one such. Uh, as we continue to read in Proverbs 16, remember we had the uh, anomaly that we, we've talked about in the first seven verses, and we cheated by adding verse 9 at the end of that. Uh, but uh, after you get through those first nine verses, uh, um, uh, we have, starting in verse 10, uh, a number of verses that deal with kings. And as I was reading them through, again, I thought, wow, this is pretty useless. But then the more I spent time looking at that, uh, at these verses, I became aware that there are some things to learn. So let's see some of the verses that deal with kings here that Solomon writes. In verse 10, a divine sentence is in the lips of, king, of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. 
The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is as the cloud of the latter rain. You know, as I read those verses, again, first thing I thought is kings. What does that have to do with me? And what does that have to do with God's people? But if you look at these verses, quite frankly, they're giving us instructions for how we're supposed to respond to those who would be in authority over us. Uh, we also learn a number of things about, about leadership. And so we're going to take time to study this subject out. Now, you may not know this, but I'm going to make you aware of it anyway. Forty-four times in 40 different verses, Solomon uses the word king or prince in some way. Now, a few of those uh, would be um, just titles used for a king, like Proverbs 1.1, Solomon, king of Israel, or um, the Proverbs that Hezek, uh, that um, Oh, King Hezekiah commanded to be written out, and that's found in um, chapter 25 and verse 1. But a great majority of the verses that talk about kings and princes give us expectations, instructions, and information to consider. Now, uh, you know, at first I wondered, why would Solomon do that? But Solomon was a king. <laughs> so it makes sense that there would be things he would learn as a king that he would want to share with folks. Um, but it seems, though, a little bit to me, that it, it seems a little strange that so much is said about, about this one, two, this one segment of society. I mean, we're talking about 40 different times in the book of Proverbs. Do we really need 40 Proverbs about kings and princes? And the answer is yes. And as I've thought a little bit more about it, um, uh, I, I asked my myself the question, why would God do that? And you might suggest the fact that dealing with kings ultimately impacts thousands of lives. And that's true. You deal with an authority, you deal with a president, you deal with a king, you deal with a queen, you deal with someone who rules, and you're, you're uh, dealing with someone that has control over thousands, maybe even millions of people. So it makes sense to deal with that. But I can't believe that God gave us these things to deal with just this little segment of the world, uh, this little segment or little group of society, very few people overall who ever would have rule. So did God only speak 40 times to this small fraction of people? I think not. So let me uh, introduce the subject. Let's give an introduction tonight, all right? I'd like to suggest three ways that we approach the instructions that are found in Proverbs for kings, which will impact us today. Three different things that I wanted to share with you, all right, in this introduction. This subject informs all men what godly authority looks like. And we're going to find that. As we look through the book of Proverbs, we're going to find what godly authority looks like. Now, uh, you say... Big deal. No, that actually is a big deal. Uh, first of all, those who are in authority need to know what they're supposed to do, and they're no, they need to know what is right. But again, that doesn't fit anyone in this room. But here's the thing. You and I, unlike a lot of people throughout history, have the privilege of choosing our leaders. So we do need to know some things about what God expects of leaders. By the way, even in countries where people don't have that right, 
there may be influential people and people who are come in contact with authorities that would have opportunity to influence them toward that which is right. And so because that's true, it's important for us to be informed about what godly authority looks like. So God uh, certainly gave us these verses, 40 different verses in Proverbs, because he wants us to know what authority looks like. Um, don't you think it might have benefited uh, Daniel to have these Proverbs? He was one who had influence. He was one who had a great impact upon Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Belteshazzar, uh, later on with uh, Darius. I mean, this, this man lived through, if you would, the reign of and was in positions of authority under what, at least three different kings, if not, I think we want to say four, ultimately. Uh, unless, well, I think Cyrus was still around when he would have, when he would have been uh, at least uh, still alive. So it informs men about what godly authority looks like. Uh, Esther and Mordecai were given opportunity, and many other Jews in pagan lands had opportunities then. And even today, you know, there may be people we have to, that we can impact that are leaders. All right, then there's another reason why. This subject guides those under authority to know what godly leaders need. And what I mean is what godly leaders need from, from us. Did you see in these verses that quite honestly, there were actually a number of things in those five verses or so that we read that are important for us to know about how we're supposed to approach to, how we deal with authorities. The third thing is that this instruction, or this gives instructions for all who might be in authority. Now, we could have made that point under letter A, but, but I, 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 it's worthy of a separate mention. Look, if you're an authority in life, you need to know how to act. And, and we ought not just say, well, that's for a king. doesn't apply to me. Quite honestly, uh, God often makes the tie between all authorities. And quite frankly, if these are things God would expect of a, of a leader, an authority, a king or a prince or someone who's in authority, we could say in many cases that God would expect these very same things from us because he expects us to be the right kind of leaders ourselves. So, so you might not be a, a prince or a princess or a queen or a king, but if you have leadership position, if you have the responsibility of the care of others and you are an authority, then there are lessons to be learned from the book of Proverbs and what we're, and what we're gonna see and what Solomon wrote about kings and princes. And so um, let's get into the information, all right? So that was the introduction. Let's give you some information. And uh, we begin with characteristics of good authorities. All right, so what is the characteristic of a good king, of a good authority, of someone who is a good ruler? Well, um, if we're going to walk through this, we really need to go back. So let's go back to chapter 8, chapter 8 in Proverbs. And we're going to walk through basically the book of Proverbs, see the references, at least a good number of them, that refer to kings, and let's see what God says about those in authority and what are characteristics of good authorities. Now, I could probably ask you to make a list, and we could probably make our own list. But let's look at what Solomon has to say. He did have wisdom from God. 
and he was one of the wisest men who ever walked on the face of the earth. I think there's only one that would have superseded him, and that would have been Jesus Christ. But uh, up until this point, he was the, the wisest man that ever walked the face of this earth, and uh, probably the wisest since other than Christ. So what does he have to say? Look in verse 15 of Proverbs chapter 8. Someone read verses 15, 16, and 17, please. Okay, we pick up right in the middle of something going on, but I think you probably already know what it is. Who is speaking in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 15, 16, 17? Or what is speaking? Okay, well, God is speaking, yes, sir, but wisdom, okay? Uh, and if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, you'll find it talks about wisdom and the importance of wisdom and how vital it is to life. And he reveals to us in verses 15 and 16 and 17 as he talks about kings and those who would be in authority. By me, kings reign. Princes decree justice. Princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. So he, by the way, broadens it now. He doesn't just say, oh, this is for kings. But quite frankly, this is for all authorities and uh, all spectrums. Here's the characteristic. They love and seek wisdom. God's wisdom cries out to men. Look at verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? And we're talking about God's wisdom here, by the way. It urges all men to see that his, God's wisdom only reveals truth. The wisdom of the world isn't that way. Wisdom of the world says, millions and billions of years ago, some big explosion caused, uh, you know, and I don't even know how you get the bizarre, crazy concept of, of evolution, which nothing scientifically proves what they believe. It's totally opposed. All the laws of science are opposed to what they believe happened. But the wisdom of this world says, only fools believe there's a God who made the world. And when I read about how they, how they say things came about, when I read about all these transitions from various things, and yet there are no transitional animals in our world today, and there are no transitional fossils that, people, that, that, that have been found. And I say, okay, the wisdom of the world is really ignorance. But God's wisdom is always true. It's always right. And anyone who's going to lead right, whether that's a king or whether that's a dad or a mom or a teacher in Sunday school, anyone who is going to lead right has to love and seek wisdom. Look at these words again. It's by me, wisdom says, kings reign. Look, if someone's going to decree justice, if someone's going to rule, if, if the judges of the earth are going to make right decisions, do you know how it's going to happen? It's not going to happen because they determine I'm going to be a good judge. You know what, how it's going to happen? Truthfully, the only way, the best way is if they seek the wisdom that only God has. 
I love them. I, I, I added verse 17. You say, well, that doesn't mention rulers. I know. But he says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. And that's a great promise about, about wisdom. Uh, those that seek God find him. Those that seek God's wisdom also find it. Uh, if any of you lack wisdom, I love the way James puts it, let him ask of God. And, and it's great because the last part of the verse tells us that God gives that liberally. And we're not liberals in any area, but I like it when God gives wisdom liberally. And he doesn't upbraid us for asking for it. You see, there's a, a God in heaven that has the wisdom that we need. And we, if we're going to lead right, if I as a pastor am going to lead right, if, if, if you as a dad, if, if, if you as a, as a mom, if you as a teacher are going to lead right. You need God's wisdom. You've got to seek it. And may it, you make it something that not only you seek, but notice what he says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early, they're, they're, the idea of early um, is uh, actually curious a couple things. You say, well, early in the morning. Well, that could be the case, but that's not necessarily what the word means. It, it's, uh, it's this idea that, that I'm going to be uh, aggressive toward it, that I, I really want it, which means I'm going to give time to it, and I'm going to seek it out, not just early in the morning, it's not just I'm going to get my five minutes done today, I read God's word, I have God's wisdom, but that I really am going to try to find God's wisdom so I might use it in dispensing justice, and making right decisions, and dealing with my kids, and dealing with situations that I'm facing, and dealing at, at work with other people under under my authority or other people that are over me. I need God's wisdom. Uh, and if we spend that much time on every point, we'll never get it done. But uh, I tell you, it matters not what place the leadership you hold. You need wisdom from God. By the way, wouldn't parents say amen to that? Don't you need wisdom in dealing with your kids? Yeah, I do. Um. Look, if you would, now at, um, oh, take a moment and turn to chapter 25, if you would. And just keep your place, because we're going to come, come back. But there's uh, this concept of seeking uh, God's wisdom uh, is, is brought out in a kind of a different way. Look at verse uh, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to do what? Search out a matter. Look, I, I, I want wisdom. To forsake wisdom is foolish. God is the source of wisdom and truth. And by the way, uh, this is interesting because most commentators on this verse, and we don't even have time to, to dig into it. But he says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. God already has all wisdom. He is wisdom. There is no wisdom apart from him. Okay, so then as far as God in dealing with wisdom... It's part of his glory is the fact that he doesn't reveal all the wisdom that he has. In fact, I don't think we could handle it. I, I have a hard enough time just, just grasping some of the things that, that God would do on this earth. But God is the all-wise one. He has all wisdom. And so it is to God's glory, ultimately, that he doesn't reveal everything and all, all the wisdom he has. But you know what? Human beings don't have all wisdom. And so it's glory for a king, then, to be one who seeks out and tries to find answers 
and tries to get the wisdom, all the wisdom that they possibly can to make the right decisions in life. And again, there's just a wonderful application uh, to, to anyone who's a teacher or anyone who has a responsibility to lead. I need all the wisdom I can possibly get from God, so I'm going to take it. And, and there we go, and I, I got off again. So let's look at chapter 14 now. Go back to chapter 14. As we continue, if you would, our march through the kings, the march of the kings. In chapter 14 and verse 28, in the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. Uh, now, you're going to really wonder about this one, so I'll explain it. I'll give it to you. They care for those under their authority. You say, where, pastor, in the world do you get that? Well, let me explain, all right? It's really thought-provoking in chapter 14 and verse 28. Again, look at it with me. Um, in the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the, of the prince. Is God saying the more land someone conquers, the greater one expands his kingdom, the better? And the answer to that is no. This proverb is not dealing with someone who conquers lands and can say, I got a big kingdom. That's not the point. The proverb does say it is an honor for a king to have a large kingdom, but the point is not that he gets it through cruelty or subduing others. The honor comes because he's doing right by those whom he rules over. And because he does right by those whom he rules over, because he allows them, if you would, to live their lives, he doesn't treat them cruelly. He is a good leader, and he always is seeking their best and what is going to best help them to thrive and succeed. Because he does that, he receives great honor. And the larger his kingdom, which, by the way, people are going to want to come to, going to say this. There's a lot of reasons why a bunch of people are moving out of California. And you know what part of it is? Leadership that stinks. And they're moving to places where leadership are seeking to give people freedom to live their lives. So that's why they're moving to Tennessee and Texas. And Texas is telling them, we're going to make a we're putting a wall up there, too. Um, when the wicked are in authority, the people mourn. So, look, the, the verse ultimately gives us the concept, this idea, that, uh, that a king who cares for and seeks what is best for those under his authority is going to be a king whose kingdom is going to grow where people want to be under his authority and where people then honor him because he takes care of them. Um, this actually happened when Saul was ruling selfishly and mistreated many under his care when he started to seek after and take the life of David. Do you know what the Bible tells us? At one point it tells us that almost daily people were coming to David that were running from the authority that Saul had as king, and we're trying to find, if you would, relief. Um, there was a time in Israel when wicked rulers reigned while godly leaders were doing right in Judah, and we read also in Scripture that Israelites moved to Judah during this time. 
The idea of this seems to be that a good ruler focuses not on receiving honor or lifting up himself or not making a bigger kingdom for himself or not making a name for himself, but a good king is someone who provides an environment that helps people. And in doing that, he has an expanding kingdom and he has great honor. The one who ignores his subjects, lives herself, and seeks his own fame ultimately destroys what he hopes to accomplish. And if you study historical figures and even biblical ones, you find that many leaders who sought honor by ruling viciously were hated. Yeah, they exercised dominion, and yeah, they conquered lands. But you know, no one missed them when they died. And quite frankly, people tried to get away from them. Um, all right, so, so an interesting, very interesting proverb, but in the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. You treat people right, and you're, you're following God's principle for the right kind of leadership. By the way, that, that's true in, in a church. That's, that's true in the workplace. Treat people right. Seek what is best for them. Um, let me give you one more. In Proverbs 14, and we'll pick up and we'll move on from here. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 35, we see one more reference to a king. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. And, um, and let me just give you the, the, the principle, and we'll kind of close it out here. But they... Uh, good, good rulers, they favor good men and frown upon bad. Do you see that in verse 35? A good king, and that's what we're talking about here, shows favor toward a wise servant. And a good king will show wrath against those that cause shame. If a man's a good leader, he seeks out people who are wise. He shows them favor. Um, it appears from this that he seeks their counsel. He acts positively toward them. And a good leader doesn't want to associate with and deals forcefully with people who cause shame. Uh, what an interesting thought in an election year. Look at those who run for office and observe what kind of people they're trying to win to their side. What kind of things are being said? You know, if, if we didn't even take, well, I'll tell you, one of the reasons why it's good for us to study this is because we're learning who to vote for, in, in, which, by the way, you should already know, but who to vote for in, in November. Because we're learning God's principles for good leadership. And uh, you'll find that there's, an, uh, or there's overwhelming evidence that there's a big difference between basically the two parties. But as we deal with this specific subject, look at the kind of people that the leaders are trying to win the favor of. Let me tell you something. If a guy is getting up and he's trying to win the favor of the homosexual crowd and the, the people that don't know the, what, what, what gender they are, then, then really that's not the kind of guy you want to put in office. People who do shameful things should not be rewarded and honored and lifted up. Um, it should be really clear that a, a Christian sh shouldn't want to vote for um, 
the mayor of Franklin, just based on his decision back, what, in this past year about allowing shameful people to parade in disgusting and, and do disgusting things in front of children. Um, look, a king, a, a good king, favors wise people and his wrath is against those that are shameful. That makes some good preaching here for an election year, doesn't it? Um, but they favor good men, they frown upon bad. Um, we'll talk some more uh, about this next time we have opportunity, but uh, there's already some food for thought, isn't there? And, and it's not just, I hope you don't just look at it and say, oh, wow, it deals with an election, deals with a president, because quite frankly, it deals with all leadership. What kind of people do we honor? What kind of people are we, are we, do we seek counsel from and wisdom from? Are, are we good leaders? Um, it's been actually challenging, challenging to me as I've gone through this, and I hope it will be to you as well. Father, thank you for your word and, and uh, for the lessons we can learn about kings and princes, about, about authority, about leadership. And I pray that uh, your people would be helped through this study, not just in an election year and making a decision in regard to a president or a senator or a congressman, um, but may we be people who understand that this applies to our lives and there's things for those who are under authority and those who are authorities to learn. And may we be wiser because of what the wisdom you give in Proverbs to this segment of society that includes all leaders. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Lord bless you as you lead well. You're dismissed.